I'm Preeti Chibber. And I'm Jen Northington, and this is Tar Valen or Bust, a Wheel of Time podcast. Bad habits pay off in the long run. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't tell me which quote she was going to <laughs> That is from chapter. 30 of The Dragon Reborn <laughs> and my trash son says it Matt Calvin <laughs> oh, that's, I remember getting to that line and being like alright Matt <laughs> uh, he says it to said himself nobody ever like that's not a saying disagree <laughs> <laughs> well as you might know we are rereading the Wheel of Time books in advance of the TV show adaptations release. We're talking about our favorite and not so favorite moments and digging into all things Wheel of Time. And oh, our first pre-discussion note is a very nice one. We got a very lovely review. Um, we're not going to read the whole thing, but we'll read a little bit of it because it's a little it's it's long, which I like. Uh, but I've listened to other Wheel of Time podcasts, and this one is by far the most entertaining. The hosts are wonderful to listen to, especially when they disagree. <laughs> I feel like they're fellow SFF geeks, and we're all just hanging out in my parents' basement being awkward, bonding over shared interests. Correct. Thank you, Jen and Preeti. This brown queer geek finds your podcast both entertaining and validating. Ah, thank you. <laughs> my heart, it grew so many sizes. I know. Because, like, that's exactly the energy I feel like we want to be giving off. Yeah, we are 100% hanging out in a virtual basement <laughs> right now. <laughs> like, just being really awkward and excited about this, like, very, very nerdy, nerdy interest we have. Yes. Yes. I, I've been thinking about this. I put this on Tumblr. I was, I couldn't stop thinking about this review after I saw it. And I was like, has my entire career just been an attempt to validate that? like original me nerdy kid in the basement I think it might be <laughs> yes that's literally what we've made our careers out of yes. like being excited about things and getting to talk about those things yeah which is wild good job us I know way to go <laughs> I'm proud I'm proud and and also feel very lucky uh all right let's see oh right here's my other pre-discussion note I threatened to do this on our last episode and I sort of did it so I was I kept thinking about what I thought I remembered from the rest of the books and so I made a doc and I just typed in literally everything I could think of that I thought I remembered for most of the main characters. And it was very surprising to me, some characters I just cannot remember almost anything about, which is wild. But I posted it in our Patreon. It's for patrons only. Um, and no one is allowed to comment on it or tell me <laughs> what I have gotten right or wrong. It'll just be fun discoveries along the way. Preeti is not allowed to read it because I don't want to, like, change her what she thinks she's read. And if she makes such a thing, I will not read it. Because no, yeah, I won't. Science. <laughs> uh, and, and I want to thank Yulia for commenting already and letting me know that I am both occasionally right and also dramatically wrong. It's very <laughs> exciting. I can't wait. Way to find out which is which. <laughs> so please enjoy if you are a member of our Patreon. <laughs> yeah, you you can find it uh, in the Patreon posts. Jen, yes, Jen put up yes. a post, and there is a link to her the super secret, highly classified, <laughs> potentially very spoilery, although potentially not. If I'm wrong, so there's that. Like who knows? <laughs> who knows? Half the time I'm like, do I remember that from this? this series or is it like one of the 14 other series I read while right. like after I read all these books when I was like 16 or whatever and right. realized there weren't any more to read and so <laughs> had to find something else to pick up or like or like is it headcanon that I made up Maybe. about a character because that's also <laughs> extremely <Yep>. possible <laughs> very very possible um okay so I guess let's Let's yeah, get let's into it. it. We, for today's episode, read chapters 25 through 32. And can I tell you, so what I do, um, like after, before I start reading the next time, like after we wrap the previous episode, I'll like dog ear from chapter to chapter of what the expectation is to read for next time. Mm. But I accidentally opened on chapter 33. <laughs> and the first line is from his saddle parent. And I went, No. 
<laughs> You're still scarred. <laughs> I'm still scarred because then, and then I saw the chapter like the I didn't realize it for a second, and then I saw it was chapter thirty three, and I was like, okay. <laughs> Perrin has a lot to make up for for me. No. <laughs> Leave my wolf boy alone. I know. This is not like a Perrin hate thing. I like Perrin yeah. a lot. I, I just, know. I know you do. I just, I you know, I'm still. That I'm, was too much. It was, it was too, too much, much and not enough plot. I agree. I agree. Uh, all right. So <laughs> let's kick off. We're, so in chapter 25, you know, we just left um, Matt and his that very exciting fight. Uh, yes. And we're back with Egwene and Nanaeve. And the last we saw, and, and Elaine, and the last we saw them was Egwene kind of crumpling after these like very intense tests. And, and she has the Tarangriel from Varen and, and she doesn't know what's happening. Um, and so now it seems like what they're doing is going through the papers that Varen passed along to Egwene. Can we pause for a second? Yes. Because. Especially, I just need to read the first sentence of this chapter sure. for a moment to con- to contextualize what I'm going to say next. So the first sentence is, Egwene lay across Nynaeve's bed, chin in her hands, watching Nynaeve pace back and forth. And I was like, oh, we're back in a teen movie. Like, I know, it's is, true. It's so, like, fantasy Nancy Drew, this chapter, and a couple of the chapters that happened next. And I was like, I forgot how did I forget this entire subplot of them hunting the Black Aja like they are Nancy Drew and friends? Like, how did I forget that? I, but yeah. I did. I didn't. I don't remember any of this. And what I love about it, kind of in it's like sort of an in general statement about the experience of like seeing how they're handling it is how young they are about it, yeah. right? And how like there is no, and we'll we'll talk about specifics later because. Jordan does a lot of really interesting things with how he lets information out, but they literally will say something and then question it and say something and then question it. And there's no way to come out of this as a reader with any sort of like inclination of what is going to happen. Yeah. Like, I think it's so smart the way he lets them be detectives, but also lets them be kind of like the detectives that they are, which are Mm -hmm. young like not just young in terms of the way of the world, but young in terms of like the order they've entered and the experience they have in like outside of their village and all of those yeah. things. Yeah. It's pretty good. Okay, sorry. So continue. So yes, they're they're examining the papers that Varen gave them. And and so it's this this is Egwene's point of view, and it's a lot of kind of her running through names of like whether it's Anaya or Varen or Alana, so many A names. So many. Um, and and being like, maybe they could do this, but are they Black Aja? Is everyone Black Aja? How can I think about this when everyone is Black Aja? Um, and, you know, it kind of starts off with her thinking about the nightmares she had that were, you know, loosely tied with um, what she went through. and And it is interesting because we see, like, she kind of goes from like the Senshan, who she keeps being like, no, it's just it's just a nightmare. Like that cannot mean anything because there's this idea that dreams matter if you are like the capital D dreamer, which a queen mm-hmm. might be. And then she dreams about Rand and she dreams about Perrin, which with Perrin, it's she's like he has a falcon and a hawk on his shoulders. And I was like, I don't know that I would be able to tell the difference yeah. <laughs> like between those animals if I saw them in a dream. So good on you, Egwene. Um, and you know, they're, they're in various like kind of horrible situations and she dreams of Matt and these very specific moments that all of them are going through, but by ending with Matt and ending with Matt speaking the kind of speaking the old tongue, what Jordan does here is give us insight as readers that at least something she's saying is true. Mm-hmm. So at least something that we're reading in all in this like page and a half description of what she's been dreaming is true. So we're going to spend the next several chapters or books or whatever it is anticipating seeing something that Egwene mm-hmm. has just told us, but we don't know what it is, but we're narrowing it down. So he's putting us in the position of readers of kind of play, playing bet- like detective on our own. It's right. really interesting. I was like, this is so smart. Nice. Nice. So good. So good. 
good. Yeah, and then I love this moment where Elaine gets to be smart because I feel like a lot of Elaine's character up to this point has either been being like imperious Mm -hmm. or like you know interested in boy Rand and I was gonna say boys but Rand no Rand it's just Rand and like you know she's a good friend but we don't really get to see that much of what she's capable of yeah aside from that we know that she's good at channeling so She's processing, you know, these names and she's noticing that like the 13 women are all like they they don't really have almost anything in common. They're all different ages. They're all from different places. Like and it's not there's no clumping mm-hmm. going on. And she's like, that's suspicious. Like if this was a truly random sample of women for, of how the Black Aja recruit, there would be more commonalities yeah. between some of them. And Nynaeve and Eileen are both like, oh, shit, you're right. (laughs) Like, that's a good call. It's such a nice moment. It is. And then it kind of immediately turns around because Nynaeve is like, oh, yeah, that's you were right. Because they're they're all frustrated by reading the same paperwork over and over and over again and not getting anything out of it. Um, But then kind of Elaine is like, well, maybe, but what if that's the point? Like, Mm -hmm. it's supposed to make me think this. This is where they're, like, turning themselves in circles. Yeah. Just constantly... Second-guessing. Second-guessing because perhaps the Black Aja knew enough to set this up. I mean, that's the thing, is, like, we don't really know anything about the Black Aja other than that they exist and Mm -hmm. that X number left and they took this many Terangriel or whatever. Um... And so you kind of like can relate because you're like, you're right. What what if it is incorrect, right? Yeah. Um, and then they have the conversation um, about what the Terangriel that the Black Aja, uh, I said, I left with. And they're all by the same person who wrote that thing about the ring that Varen gave to Egwene. Yeah. Yeah. Almost almost all of them. Like, mm-hmm. there are too many. Like, there are a lot that have to do with sleep. So, like, obviously, we know these books, and we know that, like, dreaming is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, dim- like, dimensions are a big deal in a very, like, as we've discussed before, like, kind mm-hmm. of, like, sci-fi way for this high fantasy novel. Yeah. Um, and so, like, that's another thing of, like, he's giving us, like, it's also a mystery. It's also, like, a... a yeah. A, detective novel that we're picking up like right it is a whodunit where we are trying to pick up on the same clues like i underland the like three more had to do with sleep in some way and i'm like oh how is that gonna come back to screw us over (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's great so yeah so they're basically they're just going over their evidence they're throwing ideas back and forth they're turning themselves inside and out trying to figure out like who they can trust, which is basically no one. Right, and the queen keep... is trying to figure out, like, am I a dreamer? Am I not a dreamer? Like, it's all a lot of questions. They have big questions. They do. And a, a lot of it has to do with, you know, like, the key names seem to be Sherian, Varen, Anaya, and Alana. Mm-hmm. And so Alana is the one who had that weird feeling at Egwene's test. Mm-hmm. Anaya is the one who was helping Egwene with dreaming. Sherim, mm-hmm. of course, is the mistress of novices, and Varen, you know, Varen. And so you, it feels like someone, one of them has to be Black Aja, is what I think. Right. Like someone. It can't be that nobody is. Like no, someone no. in that. Oh, and Alita. Don't forget Oh, and Alita. And Alita right. right. Um, what Like they have to be, right? Like at this point, I'm just like, you are, if it's not, it's like the biggest red herring of all time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And more than one could be, too. I mean, right, and Elaine actually says at some point, there's no way there were only 13 mm-hmm. Black Aja in the tower. Like, there, are, we know there have to be more. Um, and it's so very intense. They kind of decide that Egwene's going to use this ring tonight after a brief moment where Nanave's like, I'll do it. And Egwene, <laughs> Egwene's like, no, 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 no. Like, I don't want to <laughs> do this, but I feel like I have to be the one to do this. Yeah. Um. And then they have they're they're having this conversation, and this moment was very eerie because they have this whole conversation about the ring, which no one is supposed to know about. And then all of a sudden, that girl Elsie is standing there, mm-hmm. who uh, 
was like that random girl that had eyes for Rand and then also yes, ended when up he with and the Matt tower. were on their whole journey to Camblin. And then who like treated Matt like trash <laughs> inexplicably in the last chapter. Although yep. now we know now we know why. Yeah. Um so Elsie shows up and is like, Hey, the Amarillin has a message for you and they're like, What? <laughs> what? You like, it was like a her? Kind of yeah, her. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um and Egwene kind of immediately realizes something is wrong because Elsie just takes off running and Egwene runs after her, which I loved because she was like, uh, we're going to find out what's going on. And lo and behold, she runs into a beautiful woman dressed all in silver and white. With dark hair. <laughs> With dark Who hair. Gee, Who I wonder. <laughs> I do. <Lanfear>. fear. <laughs> And so what Lamphere slash Elsie told them is that all the belongings of the 13 Black Aja who left are like in some area, whatever, near the libraries. A storeroom. A storeroom. Um, but I did love this idea of like Lamphere as Elsie being shitty to Matt because she's still mad that it didn't work on him. I offered you glory. What's wrong with you? <laughs> like Lamphere being like, that guy's such a piece of shit. Right, right. <laughs> it's amazing. So yeah, so so and so she has this run in with who she doesn't know who it is, and like she feels like inadequate and unpretty and dirty and whatever compared to this you know beautiful woman, which is a section I was like, all right, we get it. She's hot stuff. Like, calm down. Um, <laughs> and then we get it. Yeah, and then the woman is like, oh, I don't, I didn't see anyone. Like, I think you won't find her. And then they have this, like, weird, you know, very stilted conversation. And then she disappears. Of course. Of course. And then, you know, Nynaeve and Egwene are like, what happened? And she's like, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. Like, I Couldn't ran into ya. someone who must be an Aes Sedai. And Nynaeve's kind of like, okay, well, we'll deal with that later. Yeah. <laughs> like, we don't, we don't have time for that right now. No. So they tramp off to the storerooms. And in the meantime, this was interesting. In the meantime, they're like, so they're going into like disused sections of the mm -hmm. tower. And we're getting a little bit more of a feel of like how empty the tower is and like understaffed and all of that stuff. But also we're getting this look into them developing their skills because, you know, they know how to make like little floating balls of light or whatever. But they also, when they get to the storeroom, they have these experiences using their power where, and, and we're in Egwene's head, so we're mostly seeing it from her perspective. She's like, I can do this thing, but I don't know how or why. Mm -hmm. And it's, I just think it's a super interesting yeah. sort of paradigm, given that pretty much every magic user we've experienced, this is how they're doing, this yeah. is how it goes. I can do this thing. I don't know how or why. I can hear wolves. I don't know how yeah. or why. I can call lightning. I don't know how it's or true. why. I can, you know, make the wind blow. I can heal people. I don't know how or why. Like, this is just, this is the thing. It's <laughs> it's like a nice kind of, <laughs> like, woo-woo way of world building, which I appreciate because that's my sure. least favorite thing is, like, uh, trying to figure out the rules of something mm. is so annoying. Mm. So like yeah, spoken like a true author, <laughs> right, huh? Spoken like a true yeah. author. It's the worst. Where you're just like, can it just be so because I said so? Yeah, and it can. And it can. Robert Jordan is like, she doesn't know how. It just happens. It just you're happens. like okay. Um, <laughs> so they like do you know they have these lights. They get to the store, and this is, you know, I've talked before about how I get frustrated when he has these moments for Nanave or or Moiraine or whomever who. He, it feels like he's putting them in, he's he's having them act in a way to push the plot along but this was a moment mm. where I was annoyed with Nanave but they made it made sense like make sense you know where she's like pounding on the door and getting all mad I was like stop being so annoying <laughs> and then it's like no no she's trying to make herself furious so that she can use the power Although right because she still can't channel unless she's yeah mad. I'm looking forward to that being over because that's yeah yeah Really I love annoying. that her solution, P.S., is to make a magical, like, crowbar. I, yeah, <laughs> that was hilarious. I was like, you can't, like, like just unlock. There's no, like, yeah. 
power to just put like make a of special that key or right. like slice the chain. No, no I'm gonna it. make a fucking crowbar <laughs> out of magic. It's fine. Um, so they get into the thing and there are like these bags with with every single basically out all, all the evidence from these bags points to the black Aja going to t- to tear or tear whatever. In like a most in a, the most ridiculous over the top way possible, which is hilarious because you're like, why would Lanfear like Lanfear's machinations right now are just kind right. of silly in terms of like where's the finesse? Like yeah. it feels like you're being like just like not. It's like a Muppet doing this. Like there's no subtlety, right? And also, why does she want to send them to Tear? Like that why would she want to do that i don't i don't that i feel like that we're gonna find that out at some point but it just seems like if you want them to go to tier you're gonna put like a clue about tier in every Every single single like that's absurd (laughs) it is it you're right it has zero finesse like maybe lanfear is not all she's cracked up to be um so then they kind of have that same conversation of like is this this is clearly a trap like if yeah. if that's what they're it's a trap because that's ridiculous to this is just so over the top, you know. Right. Um and so then finally <laughs> we get this moment where they're like in the kitchens, da da da, just kind of going through the day and and Egwene notices which Aes Sedai come into the kitchens and Basically, all of the ones under suspicion come into the kitchens at some point or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they go back to go to sleep. Did we skip ahead? Right? Did we? Aren't we in? Oh, no, you're right. You're right. right. They're in the kitchens. And then, yes. And then, yeah, the because like every, like, Varen comes in and is like, Did you find right. anything? Like, very right. obviously. And you're like, What is happening? Did but everyone, in public, right? Like, did everyone lose the ability to like be subtle? <laughs> Like very strange. Um, there's like a minor moment where they are like, should someone go with you? And Egwene is like, no, I want you, I want you watching over us. I very much loved this entire section oh, yes. of Teleran Riot. There you go. That was very good. Thank that you. was very good. <laughs> Rolls off the tongue. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. I've been waiting for us to get to these sections because I remembered really enjoying them, even though they're also like obviously terrifying, like all mm-hmm. the dream sequences in these books are scary as shit. Uh, but yeah, it's really cool. And like it starts off nice, like she's in a fancy dress, there's mm-hmm. butterflies, she can channel. And then the next thing she knows, she like stumbles into like a weird dark room and Perrin is chained to a chair and there's a wolf who's going to eat her. And it's just like all very dark. It all is. Of a sudden. And like Perrin wakes up and he, he yells at, and it's Hopper who's in the dream with yeah. him, which we know is Hopper is there to protect him. Um, but it did, it, it was interesting that Egwene never thinks about Elias in relation to Perrin. She recognizes mm. that Perrin has this secret but she never thinks about that relationship and how it, I just thought it was a little strange that because she was there for all of that. Like she well, she she knows she knows. I know. But it was yeah, it, it's just a little strange to me because she doesn't. It's been a long time since she's been around Perrin. Yeah. And so it's just a little surprising that she wouldn't think of that because that was the kind of the last time they were together right well i don't know why she would think of a lot like she knows the wolf is there protecting because she's like parent tell it i'm a friend like don't let it eat me um mm-hmm. it's like she knows because that relationship it, she, yeah but wouldn't it have a, wouldn't she feel as though it had progressed from the last time that oh i see was, what you mean you see what i mean I don't know. I mean, she has, they've been separated for a while. I mean, yeah. they have not seen each other for a good long time. That's what I mean. I don't know. I, I think she's too busy being freaked out to have like fair. deep thoughts about Perrin's wolfiness. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Although she does think about it later. She does think about it later. Um. So she has that moment with Perrin. Oh, yeah. Ugh. And then this I thought was really, because we're barely getting any Rand, right? And yeah. this is a very smart way to bring Rand back into it from another perspective without him being able to actually be around anyone. Right. Because we're seeing, you know, we got that moment that Perrin heard about, but we didn't see that you and I both would have liked to have seen. Yes, yes, with the village and the the, weddings. With the weddings. And we have, uh, now it's 
Rand kind of sitting by himself and clearly he is being harassed and stalked by people who can take the faces of people he loves. And that's just mm. really, it makes you really sad for him. And just like yeah. this poor kid alone by himself going through this thing and not being able to see that this is someone who loves him. Right, right. Yeah. And for Egwene to have to like be in that position after her last experience with Rand through the tests of like being not like failing him again, but not being able to reach him. Yeah. It's just like really, really heartbreaking in that moment. And she kind of has like a, I'm not going to hurt him ever thing. Yeah. Um, right. It's rough. Oh, and then this like super, super creepy, weird thing. <laughs> I was like, my note here was just Sylvie WTF. Like right? who the hell is this I Sylvie woman? I don't know. So she, so she's like running away from her encounter with Rand because he basically tries to kill her, thinking that she is like an agent of the dark wearing Egwene's face, and she asks the ring to take her where she needs to be, which is super smart, right? Like super smart. And she ends up in this hall where Kalendor. I mean, we know that it's the hall where Kalendor, the fantasy sword, um, and that's in tier, right? That's that's in yes. tier. That's yeah, 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 yeah. It's in yeah, tier. Yeah. So she ends up in this hall looking at the sword, and this woman starts talking to her like she knows her. This old woman who's like the classic like Disney witch, right? Like she's got warts on her bony nose, and she's got a stick. Like she's she's like every witch that Disney ever designed, basically. Yep. Um, comes out of the shadows and is like, "Oh, I'm just poor old Sylvie. I served your family faithfully. Like, like what? I'll tell you things." And then you're like, "What is happening right now?" It's so strange, and she's she says a lot of very strange things. Like, not in yeah. addition to like kind of giving her information you know she's like um everyone is thinking that they are like he or she is the only one plotting and then she says ishmael is a fool and Egwene is like yeah. ishmael one of the forsaken is like whoa huh and, she, and then sylvie's like try it it's gonna make you feel good to call them stupid do it i dare you <laughs> basically so weird. and Egwene is like yeah balsamon's a fool you're right <laughs> It does feel good. It does feel good. <laughs> Such what? a weird interaction. Um, and then they start talking about Kalendor and the sword mm -hmm. that the Dragon Reborn is going to have to hold one day. Uh, the sword that is not a sword. Um, which is in tear and is kind of like, she's talking about like the High Lords, presumably of tear, And it's it's all very kind of like, circular a little bit and confusing because you don't know who this person is mm -hmm. and so Egwene tries to to cut through whatever the barrier is around this thing and sees that it's like Sadar and Satan protecting it um, and then all of a sudden they hear footsteps and Sylvia's like oh no he can't find you <laughs> right and then Egwene tries to leave, but she can't. And then Sylvie, like, attacks her and tries to take the ring, even as she's, like, seems like she's trying to protect her. It's mm -hmm. extremely confusing. And then Egwene wakes up and is like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, happened? Sylvie, like, touches the ring. And there's, like, pain. Yeah. And then Egwene shoots up in bed. And you're just mm -hmm. like, who the fuck is Sylvie? Why are you? Such I wish a creep? I could remember. That is not something I remember. No I have idea. No idea. I like. Is. is she one of the Forsaken? Is she like someone who is like uh, trapped in a dream by the Forsaken? Like yeah, I don't know. Like we know that, or do we know this yet? I don't. I'm know. not going to say the thing I was just going to say. Okay. Because I don't know what we know and what we don't know yet. I can't remember where we are in our dreamer understanding. Anyway. We don't know a lot about dreams. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'll save it. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so Egwene comes back and she's like, okay, next time we're setting a timer, you're going to throw water on me. I'm mm -hmm. never, I don't ever want to feel like I can't get out of that ever again. Mm -hmm. um, and then she kind of tells them everything except for parents' secret, um, which she has that moment of like, it's not my secret to tell. Uh, and I love Nene being like, Rand is going to have to look after himself for a little while longer. <laughs> We've got a lot of a uh, lot of a lot of things in the oven right now. Can't really add things onto our plate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she's basically like, "Well, the ring brought you to the sword. Mm -hmm. 
So really, I mean, it's pretty clear. We have to go to Tyr. Like, we have to go. This is what we have to do. So, mm-hmm. you know, she makes this whole plan. And and they're like, I love this, but they're like, well, what about the Amerlin? And Nineveh's like, if she wanted to talk to us, she would have come and talked to us know, already. Right? She just loves us alone. Like, who cares about the Amerlin? And you're like, all right. Okay, name. <laughs> so they're like, we'll, we'll give her one more chance. Um and then they have to talk about Elaine too, because Elaine's gonna have to figure out a right. way to write to her mom, because as far as they're concerned, the Amerlin doesn't know that Elaine is involved in in this plot. And I did really like that moment too, of like they all decide to sleep in the same room because they're all kind of like, I don't really want to be by myself right now. Yeah. Um, and then Nineveh is like, I just thought of someone who could carry Elaine's letter. <laughs> he can't wait to get out of Tarvalin. <laughs> Such a good moment. She's so crafty. <laughs> it's so smart. And then, of course, I absolutely adore this entire exchange between all of them. <laughs> it's so good, especially because you're seeing it from Matt's perspective. Mm-hmm. So, like, you we we go back to Matt, who's stuffing his face as usual, and all three of the women, like, come in smiling, and he's like, trouble is a fuck. I know. I love it. He's like... <laughs> But there's a moment, what I like about getting this perspective from Matt is one, again, it's very unique from from Perrin and Rand. Like, this idea of he's, like, really happy to see them. Like, he is. He's very happy to see them. He, But he's also, like, on edge and Mm. definitely, like, they want something they're not just here to see me they're not just here to say hi um and he keeps kind of noticing like like how pretty they are in a very like kind of like okay yeah like i had asked them to dance and and right right i did like the one pretty woman means fun at the dance two pretty women means trouble in the house three pretty women mean run for the hills i was like shut up Ugh, so silly. So um, silly. But I did like kind of the roles everybody plays, like the knave who is like, you're gonna, you're gonna fucking do this. Mm-hmm. And Elaine who tries to like cajole him into it. And Egwene, yeah. who I think knows him the best, is like, yeah. this isn't gonna work. None yeah. of this is gonna <laughs> work. <laughs> so I liked being able to see because you see the history between everybody yeah. in these interactions, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, and Matt's interiority being like, why does everyone think they can get me to do whatever they want <laughs> if they just smile at me? Like, yeah, you're pretty, but I'm not stupid. <laughs> Dancing is one thing. <laughs> <laughs> but then having this like this like moment of Nineveh kind of being like, we took care of you. Like, mm-hmm. we took care of you. You are you are you saying that you won't? help us like and appealing to that like kind of like guilt essentially yeah for someone who pretends like he's all out for himself Mm -hmm. it's still quite easy to do it and and Matt gets really like offended where he's like I'll do it I said I would do it I just I can't because the Amerlin <laughs> sent my picture around and so but I like I would totally do it if I if I, if I could get off this freaking mm-hmm. island like he's <laughs> and I love this part where they're like uh we can arrange that <laughs> <laughs> we got you <laughs> and so they give him one of the letters and he is just like what holy what shit you, you know what I don't even want to know I'm yeah. gonna take it I will take this letter for you I will take it in my teeth I will yeah. do whatever you need me to do and there's this like really sweet kind of moment I thought where they're just like just deliver the letter and he's like I keep my promises and then they're kind of like do you though <laughs> and he's like I'll do it I said I would do it and then he kind of like has this nice little like this is what I like about Matt like he has this interiority where he's like I can do whatever I'm a rogue blah 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 blah. and then he's like look I know you you guys have you've done me a really big favor I know that you're all gonna be Aes Sedai and you're gonna be queen but if you ever need help if there's anything I can do I will come you can count on it and they kind of laugh at him and I was like oh well it's 
It's the exact thing that Huron said to them. I know. And I was just like, all right, Robert Jordan, we get it. Like, But with Matt, it feels like legit in this yeah. moment, right? Like no, it feels like, like it doesn't feel like he's doing it because he thinks they need his help. Right. He's doing it because he feels indebted to them. Yeah. And I, I agree. I did not love the dismissive way that Jordan has them react. I also don't know that I feel like that's 100% in character like that just feels I think it feels like something he feels like he should say to people he grew up with no I'm but I'm saying the girls oh yeah 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 I don't think I agree like that feels like Robert Jordan like doing his like gender binary nonsense versus an actual real reaction like oh ho 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 like women think they're so much smarter ha 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 I agree Uh, with you it felt very like this was such a nice moment and you're like ruining it a little bit (laughs) So the other thing, speaking of nice moments that I loved is right before that happens, they just like hang out and talk about stuff. Like Elaine tells them about Camelin and they talk about Eamon's field. And it's just like, oh, they like all have a moment to just be friends and like be young people who are far from home Mm -hmm. and stuck in really wild circumstances, but they can still talk about their shared histories together. That was like such a nice moment. And I wonder if the reason Matt is so beloved is because we're three books in at this point Perrin and Rand are like so angsty because of what they've been going through that it's we haven't seen them kind of just be kind like uh, non-angsty dudes for a long time whereas Matt we're getting a much needed breath of fresh air from a main character POV that is um not so inundated with like anxiety yeah it's true he does not have an angsty bone in his body like he he's selfish Mm -hmm. and you know very like sort of skeptical sometimes in ways that are good sometimes in ways that are not so good Mm -hmm. and he like very much is looking out for himself but also yeah he he gets stressed and he like doesn't yeah think nothing of dangers when he encounters them but he thinks through them and he doesn't have a lot of Mm self-pity and like he does not he is not at all emo in any way yeah and it's yeah it's like oh I can see why people would latch on this character like to this character not only because he is the like bad boy with a heart of gold right but also because he is so He's he's fairly antithetical to what Rand and Perrin are going through, which right. is such like a little bit of a slog, as we've mm-hmm. said. Um, and so it introduced at this point, like getting Max yeah. POV for the first time in this book, I think solidifies a lot of that like good feeling because it does feel like this throwback to simpler times. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I agree. I love that moment where they're just kind of sitting and like shooting the shit about life. And it's just really, yeah. really lovely. Um. All right. Then we get back to the girls, and we're we're in Nave's POV now, in, in the, the kitchen. <laughs> which I legit was like, I had to. I didn't know what a brindle dog was, because <laughs> they they say like the spit dog, and I was like, is that like a thing, or is that like an actual animal? <laughs> and then I had to look at brindle dog, and I was like, oh, it's what the the fur looks. Like. Yeah, yeah. Brindle is a is a fur coloration. I um, did not know. I was like, is this some kind of like archaic kitchen tool that I am not aware of? <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Well, we haven't had any horses for a while. We so have now not. we have to talk about dogs. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so yeah, so we're in the kitchens, we're in my name's head, and she's like so cranky about everything because of course she is. And she particularly doesn't like the head cook for reasons. Yeah, um, she La- Laris, Laris. Laris, yeah. And then yeah. Ugh, I just I'm like so over this Moiraine hate and just oh, yeah. like, so over it it's so annoying and it's like so unnecessary mm-hmm. yeah and especially to say so this is this line on 332 mm-hmm. um she she like she's all she's doing she, is to get back at Moiraine she hates Moiraine like, for what she has done to Egwene and the other Eamon's fielders pulling their lives apart and manipulating them all for eyes that eye purposes was nearly all that kept her going like you like, you have not gotten past it. Like, you're not 
everybody else is trying to save the freaking world right and you're just still in this to get back quote unquote at moiraine who like didn't actually like she was maybe the messenger but she is not the problem like it's so irritating every time it comes up now because we know that the problems are so much bigger than that yeah and you know that this character is smarter than that yeah like that's what's so frustrating this is another like out of character moment that that should have slowly been filtered out mm-hmm. over the course of the last two and a half books, but yeah. has not. And it's this like glaring thing that doesn't make sense yet. It's like he's really stuck on her having this one motivation mm-hmm. when there's so many other motivations that she can yeah. and should have. And like, still be angry not... about. Yeah, and so, there's plenty to be angry about. Ugh. Anyway, so that happens. And then the Emerlin comes in <laughs> and like... Everybody loses their shit well, because the Emerlin is in the kitchen and pissed off at everyone. Like, yes. like Suin comes in is like, "Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. Fuck you." Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. It's like she's so she's like making this big scene to clearly like clear the kitchen yes. out, which of course Egwene like doesn't pick up on, even though she would. <laughs> like again, another moment where I'm like, you needed a better, you needed a better reason to yeah. get Egwene out if you wanted Egwene out. Like, right. this was not the way to do it, to sacrifice your character integrity. Because, yeah, like, yeah. really, like, Egwene's not going to realize what Suin is doing yeah. after what you've shown us about her ability to, like, perceive. Okay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Egwene, like, speaks up in defense of Elaine, and they both get kicked out to get their mouths washed out with soap, essentially. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Um, and so the Amarillyn has a moment to kind of duck and, and speak to Nenev. And Nenave tells her everything, and they get not not the Matt situation though. She does not tell no, her about no. Matt. <laughs> um, most pointedly, uh, and we find out a few things. We find out that Suen is like okay with them going. She's mm-hmm. gonna help. She's gonna give them money. Like she'll she'll create a cover story so they're not like absconding in the middle of the night. And that she didn't send a message. Elsie mm-hmm. left 10 days earlier. So we know now that we can't necessarily trust faces we've seen before because it might not be who they are. Yeah. Which is... it's. I wonder if we've known that changing your appearance is a power. I don't think so. Yeah. It's an interesting thought, actually. Like, not like this. I don't think we've been yeah. in a situation in which someone has full-on taken on the characteristic of another character, right? Yeah, right. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Although, yeah. maybe we have, and, you know, we're thousands I mean, of a, pages in. I was just going to say, it's a lot of pages. It's a to lot, lot of pages. Um, oh, yeah. And the other part that she confirms here is that the things that they found in the storeroom yes. were not actually the possessions of the Black Aja who left. She was like, we burned anything mm-hmm. that they had touched because nobody else would want to touch it. So we 100% did not put 13 bags in a storeroom yep. full of things that point to tear. So like, you know, this is a trap, right? And Nynaeve's like, yep. Yeah. And she's like, all right, cool. Go ahead and spring it. We'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, and we also find out that no one really knows about Kalendor. Right. Like they, like Sylvie mentions that in that dream, yeah. but this is like confirmed that like, like when the Amerlin like hears the word. She's like, <laughs> yeah, like you, you said what now? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we know that the high Lord, the high Lords of tear, like hate anything to do with the one tower. They, uh, is this where they mention the high Lord? No, that's later. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's later. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. So we, we find out that the sword is the Sa Angriel mm-hmm. and that like, yeah, like you said, the high Lords hate anything to do with the power, but they also are like collecting it to yeah. try to control it out of anxiety, basically, is mm-hmm. what it seems like. And it is. It's a very interesting situation. Uh, and so basically, this chapter ends with Nenave telling Egwene and Elaine, we're, we're leaving as soon as the washing is done. Like, as soon as we're done with this room, we are getting the hell out of here and going to going to tear. Yeah. Um. Then we get more mad. More Matt, your boy. <laughs> My boy. I love this because I think he does a really good job here with similarly to how he did with Rand, what Jordan did with Rand in that first book where there's like a creeping sort of like 
Mm. wrongness about mm. the way he's like what's happening to him internally like same thing with Matt um so Matt basically I this is <laughs> Anaya comes in right yes yes I think it's Anaya yes it is it's right Anaya. yeah and she's kind of like don't go anywhere and he's like <laughs> I would never <laughs> I would I would never go anywhere um and he like eats a bunch and then is like kind of like fuck it well i can't sneak out of here i'm just gonna do the thing and and he's like if you can't hide what you're going to do do it so everybody thinks you're a fool yeah (laughs) i mean it's genius actually to be like because they're all like oh there's matt trying to leave even though he knows he can't like we'll see how far he gets ha ha and it is very smart because he's like, they're not going to have time because they're going to think that I can't leave. And since I can go, by the time they realize I'm gone, it's going to be too late to bring me yeah. back. Um, but first he decides to try to make some money. Yeah. And <laughs> because Matt. And so he goes dicing and he just keeps winning. Every toss wins. And he gets a little like sort of unnerved by it. Yeah. Because he's like, I I have to go. Like there's he starts to be in this position where he can't even remember the things he's doing. He just comes out of it and his like pockets are filled with money. Yeah. It felt very much to me like also on Rand and Matt's journeys to Camelin when Rand would be in one of those states mm-hmm. where he like wasn't entirely yeah. in control. And we know now that that was because he was like, you know, his body was adjusting to being in touch with Satan. It was messing with his head. So like, what is going on with Matt? Exactly. Like, he speaks the old tongue, but doesn't know why. He's like, his dice luck is bananas. And I love watching him think through. He's like, well, yeah. I mean, I used to be lucky, but like, not like this. Like, this all started once I had the dagger, but I don't have the dagger anymore. So like, what is going right? on? Right. It's so smart because we're getting to finally see someone who, like, he's a little afraid of it, but he's not, uh, he's not so afraid that he's paralyzed or in denial or denial right he's not like Rand where it's just like denial I don't want to do this and it's not Perrin where it's like I just want to cut this part off I don't want anything to do with it Matt is like I'll use it if I have to I'm a little worried about where it's coming from yeah and he's trying to understand it and he's trying to like get at the root of it it's it's yeah. really refreshing on that level because he continues to and and I kind of love the like atmosphere of this entire chapter because it's it's in line with what his what he's going through where it's like you have these moments of clarity of seeing what Matt's seeing and then it kind of rushes along and then moments of clarity. Um, he tries to get out of it, but then he gets like pulled back in mm-hmm. from this like other guy who he thinks he's going to beat the crap out of him, but then ends up betting on him. Uh, and then he finally like pushes out and he's just like, what is going on like this is not like you know what I gotta get out of here I have to leave like he's he's realizing he's acting in a way that is not how he would normally act but it again doesn't like paralyze him he's just like I have to like get out of here right right and (laughs) he he's like I'm not gonna fight I'm gonna just run I'm just going to run. And I like this moment where he's like, just because you did well against Gowan and Gal, it doesn't make you a bloody hero out of a story. Right. Because there's dudes with knives like coming down the alley at him. And he's like, uh, they, he thinks they like want his money. Like yeah. he thinks they're thieves. And so, so he climbs onto the roof. Yeah. Which I love this whole, it's like dramatic. It's so good. Sequence. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. And it's so kind of like, what is going on? Because he like he's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to climb up on this roof and I'm going to go and then I'm going to get on this bridge, which seems pretty narrow, but I think I can maybe do it. And there's a line where he like jumps onto the bridge and then he rolls and it says he let himself roll the way he had as a boy falling out of a tree, which gives us the background very easily of like why he can do this, mm-hmm. um, which is where he says the line <laughs> that we started the episode off of with bad habits pay off in the long run, which is great. Um, And this guy kind of like comes for him Mm -hmm. and this, the quarterstaff gets stuck in between them. And Matt, I love this. He's like, there, there's a moment where he's like against the edge of the, the bridge about to fall over. And Matt's like, well, time to toss the dice. He just like bowls over and and bowls over and falls on top of the guy 
which is like super lucky. Yeah. Wait, so pause. Yes. So two things. Yeah, two yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One is that I believe that yeah. this dude on the bridge is a gray man. I agree. Same. Because he saw the other two who he thought were thieves coming mm-hmm. and like ran away from them. But he did not think there was anyone near no. him when he got onto the bridge. And then it's like, oh, suddenly there's a man on the bridge with a dagger in his hand. And he's like trying to kill him. And he's like, oh, so he only notices him at the last possible second, mm-hmm. which screams gray man to me. I agree. Um. The other thing I want to say about these Matt chapters is there's so much music yeah. in the background. Like he's constantly like humming and mm-hmm. then he'll name the tune or there are lyrics or, you know, oh, they're playing this, but I knew it as this. Like it's so much music. And that also feels like a nice callback yeah. to, to the road trip uh, and their time with Tom, which speaking of. Speaking of. Okay. So he like kills this guy. Yeah. And kind of has this like pullback in the same way that when Rand was acting in a way that was uncharacteristic had where he was like did I just do that did I was I was not in control of my body but Mm -hmm. unlike those where there was a point to say that it was like he was outside of his own control Matt never has a line like that yeah like there's nothing in the narrative to indicate that this is not Matt making his own decisions outside of this being like "Uh, what did I just do like he remembers thinking it and he remembers doing it, but he's like, "Was what was I doing?" Yeah, which is it's it's different, right? Yeah. It's like paralleling it, but it is very different. So he kind of has this like, "Huh," and has to go sit down, and he goes into this tavern called the Woman of Tanchico, and who should he see? A live drunk Tom Marilyn. Uh. Fresh off of what is, I think, probably our least favorite plot point of the last Oh, my God. No joke. (laughs) I know. I was like, oh, right. Like, his girlfriend got fridged, and the last we met him, he was, like, plotting to kill some high lord to get back, but then they were like, just run, and it was, like, a whole thing, and then we didn't see him again. And now he's in Tarvalon, wasted, just like complete waste face, like performing yeah. at some inn and with, of course, a bunch of waitresses who love him so much. Um, and are like taking care of but him. I, and... I did like this where Matt was like, I'm not, I didn't know he was drunk. Right. <laughs> like, well, right. Because what happens is Matt's like, oh my God, it's Tom. So he sits down, he orders two drinks because he knows Tom has seen him. And he's like, so he'll come over and talk to me. And then the waitress like yells at him for giving Tom more to yeah. drink as if go you know walking in off the street (laughs) so they kind of like talk around rand for a minute we're like he's like do you know i'm not gonna tell you if i know i don't know anything i don't know anything which is great (laughs) and i love matt being like i don't want to talk about anyone dying i don't want to know anything don't tell me anything i just wanted to see if you wanted to come to camelin Right. And Tom's got this whole, like, I mean, he's clearly spiraling. He's mm-hmm. talking about, because Matt is like, what the hell are you doing in Tarvalin? Like, you could get in trouble here. Yeah. And Tom's like, that's exactly why I'm here. Like, I might as well, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, if that's what you're after, like, come to Camelin with me. Like, <laughs> Morgies hates you. Like, that'll be great. And Tom's like, yes, perfect. My self-hatred has a goal. I will go to Camelin with you. And more gays will maybe kill me. Cool. Cool. Let's perfect. do this. And he like, you know, there's still more of like Matt eating a lot. And he's thinking yes. about these waitresses having pretty eyes. So oh. I kind of liked the waitress being like, they have really pretty eyes. Oh, yeah. That was so great. They totally, that this was actually one of those moments where, because you it know works. how Jordan loves his gender reversals, yes. but they're usually so ham-handed or, or just straight up gross. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one was fun because, yeah, Matt had like given the waitress a big tip and he just like kept thinking all these things about how they have pretty eyes. Maybe he even said it. And when he's taking Tom away, they're like, you know, we haven't seen him look this like alive yeah. in a while. So thanks for that. And she flips him a coin. She's like, and you've got pretty eyes. And he's <laughs> like, all right. Okay. <laughs> There's just like a lightness to these yeah. chapters, despite the dark. Yeah. Which, again, I don't remember how his journey, like, I remember like moments along his journey. I remember nothing of this journey. Uh, I do not remember that this happened. No, no, no. I don't mean like going to Camelot. I just mean Matt's, oh, oh. Matt's entire character. Oh, I arc. see. I see. Um, I, I remember moments and I know that there is darkness there, but I don't think it ever gets maudlin right. in the way that some of the other character journeys yeah, get. Yep. Right? Like there will be like mm-hmm. moments of 
darkness to like legit i know that that are coming but it's it i don't think it ever gets yeah well he's just he's a different personality yeah yeah and but it's a much much needed personality and perspective like yeah I, I'm all like I understand why Jordan held on to this POV for so long, but I am almost mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so then we get this great uh, like they're running because Matt is like, I said I was going to take the first ship I could get on. Can get on that first. So I'm going to get on this, and there's one like pulling away, and the dock master is like, "Where did you get this paper?" And it's, it's like, like a whole, they like make a running jump onto the ship from the dock. It's all very dramatic. It's very dramatic, and I like this notion of this like captain being like okay sure you're not a lord yeah oh yeah because he basically is like i have no room for passengers like go jump off the ship again like i'm not taking you anywhere that's like here's fifteen hundred dollars let me have your cabins basically and the guy's like are you a lord he's obviously Terran, like obviously so he's like oh this is the great game like you can just he doesn't this isn't actually Uh, written yeah but but in my head i'm like you know he's thinking this is something to do with the great game he's like you must be you must be involved yeah. with this. Um, and so he get they kind of, Tom comes along and is, you know, cantankerous about all of this. <laughs> um, but they have this moment where they get, like, they're, they're moving into the captain's quarters and the captain is just, like, talking and talking and talking. Um, they are kind of, like, pushing everybody down one rung, essentially. And I like this, mo- this moment where Matt, has this we we get an insight into matt which is like matt did not think that information could be very useful but he listened to everything the man said it was always best to know not only where you were going but who you were dealing with or they might just take your coat and boots and leave you to walk home in the rain and bare feet yeah. which is like okay that's matt's like entire ethos yeah right in there. one paragraph like gotta know everything so you don't get hoodwinked right. <laughs> but so we get to know a little bit more about Tarians here, and they sound like real big dicks. Yeah, this guy is an asshole. Malia. Malia. Mm-hmm. However you say Molly. Well, let's go with Malia. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, like, hates everyone. He thinks people are dirty and gross and, like... And and then he starts parroting the words of some high lord salmon, yeah, who like thinks that like all eyes should that I should be caged or something, and like it's like very like populist fascist, yeah. Garbage. It's like not great. And no. my gut instinct, and this is just based on what we have read. This is not any sort of like something I remember. Nothing, but I think Lord Salmon must be Ishmael. Yeah, it would. Right. Make, I was like, he's got to be a forsaken, right? Because also, Tom is like, I've never heard of this high yeah, lord, exactly. and I know everything exactly. about the high lord. That's I'm like, that's got to be a forsaken, and Ishmael yeah. is the only one who's been mentioned specifically. It's true. Dealing with tear, tear, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I definitely think dude's a forsaken. Word, word. I love this other part too. So they're like settling in. The captain has finally left them alone, and Matt starts to realize that like something shady is going on mm-hmm. with the girls because he's like wait a minute yeah like, <laughs> like how did they get this and also she could have sent like if she needed right? to send a message to her mom the amerlin would send like five warders <laughs> like, why are they sending me <laughs> i know he like has a moment to think finally and then he's like well okay not much i can do about that <laughs> no they got me uh who knows I love that. Please carry a letter to my mother, Matt. Yeah. (laughs) So good. Um, (laughs) But I did love like Tom. Tom doesn't believe him. Like everything Matt says is like the truth. And Tom's like, well, if you're not going to tell me, I'm going to bed, which I think think is paralleling another moment earlier on that I can't quite remember. But this 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 very similar interaction happens maybe between Tom and Rand. When Rand run to, runs into him and Carrion. Oh, yeah, maybe. But it's, it's... I can't remember either, but I know exactly. Like, somebody is saying the literal yeah. truth, and they're like, all right, if you're going to make things say. up, like, fine. Um, And so they, like, go to go to sleep, but Matt can't sleep. And then he realizes that there's somebody outside. Um, and he immediately attacks. And he, like kills the first guy when he like thinks about his dad being like never use this move it's a killing blow and that's well i gotta use it um and he and tom end up taking down these dudes who are clearly there to kill matt yeah which i don't know who would do it 
like who would be coming out after yeah. Matt. Although what we know is that if Matt dies, the horn is back in play. Right. So it's someone, it could be somebody who wants control of the horn. Right. Or I was thinking of, it could be related to the white cloaks, right? Because we oh. know that Tar Valen is surrounded by white cloaks. That's and true. we know that that one inquisitor dude got orders that like, they're all supposed to die, but also that they're all supposed to live from his two different masters. Right. Um, oh, and, I, and it was like, oh, which forgot. one, which one am I going to follow? And so it could be, it could Wasn't be that just about Rand. Was it about everybody? I thought it was all three of them. Oh, so anyway, who, but this is the thing. We don't actually know. Like, we we are not sure when Matt became such a target. It could yeah. also be related to Pat and Fame. Let's not forget. That's He's out true. there running He's, around ugh. doing crazy shit. Who knows? He's with the White Cloaks. That's all we know. And again, Tar Valen is surrounded by White Cloaks. Yep. So like, but but we really have no idea who we, these men are or why, and why they're trying to kill Matt specifically. Yeah, because they are coming for him. Yeah. Um, and so Matt, you know, they convinced the captain that it was like brigands and that Tom and Matt protected. But Matt kind of has this moment coming back where he's like, what what is the game? Like, yeah, he I loved there was a moment earlier where he was like rolling the dice to see like how lucky he's being. Um, and he keeps getting like either fives or the dark ones eyes, I think it's yeah. called. Right. Where that it's are just a single pip. All all the single pips. But that wins in some games and loses in others. And I was like, ooh, that's really good. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> metaphor for sure. Um, and then we get this like tiny Rand moment where you're Poor just sad like, Rand. Oh my God, my heart is breaking. And it's, I, I do think that Jordan's being very smart for the most part about how we're getting Rand segments, which are short because there's not, there's not really much you can do with him when no. it's just constant fear and and like anxiety yeah and kind of like losing it right 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 paranoia but it's not paranoia because people are coming to get him but mm -hmm. also he's a he's really paranoid and it's all just very it's a lot it's a yeah, lot it's it's definitely a lot Whew, and then that's that's how that chapter ends. It's with, a really with, good section. It is. Like this this excerpt we read, like every part of it, even that last Rand sequence, which I guess is is just kind of him realizing that like from the other perspective now, we're seeing that like everyone has come to him. Like everyone mm -hmm. he loves, every face he loves has come to him and that everyone has tried to hurt him uh, people yeah. he thought wouldn't hurt him like min and elaine and whomever like they've all tried to hurt him and you're just like oh this poor boy is being deliberately isolated and right. like broken oh. <laughs> so yeah bad. um but yeah all of it was so good it was so good it was and, and then we go back to parent <laughs> Probably things will actually be happening. Yes. I feel like Jordan has evened out his pacing. Yes, so you're right. Hopefully we'll get some some legit plot and <laughs> not just a <laughs> lot of angsting about hearing wolves. Oof. Because yeah. I, I you know I love him, but I also he needs to move the story. Like, come on. Along. Let's do let's, this. Let's, let's give let's, him more to do than be angsty. Like, agreed. No, that's not good for anyone. Ah, all right. Well, that's that's that for these chapters. Uh, keep an eye out for future episodes every other Wednesday. Next time we will be talking about chapters 33 through 40? 40. Yeah, you're yes, right. Yes, thank you. Of the Dragon Reborn. We forgot to update that part of our <laughs> script. And I had to guess. Uh, yeah, chapters 33 through 40. Uh, and you can always, of course, join the conversation on Twitter usually or, or Tumblr with hashtag Tarvalon or bust. We do look at the hashtag and we are enjoying seeing your reading journeys as well. Absolutely. And we mentioned Patreon earlier. If you want to become a supporter, you can do that at patreon.com slash Tarvalon or bust. We only have one level. It's a dollar because we're just paying for server fees over here. Um, but you do get some small exclusives and can chat with the rest of the folks who are over there uh, on this journey with us. Speaking of, thank you so much, as usual, to our Patreon supporters. We have a couple new ones. 
Sam S, David U, Amy R, Maradim, Mimi K, Amanda, Mark D, Heather J, Christina M, Malia H, Keith, Sarish G, Olivia K, Joshua S, Nicholas E, Michelle's S and D, Danae, Destination Toast, Cat S, Jericho W, Saber Bouquet, Thomas K, Elizabeth F, Emily, Evans K, Ola J, Yulia S, and Brian D. And speaking of Brian's, a big thank you to Brian Dunn, our fellow Wheel of Time fan and musician who created the amazing intro and outro tracks for this podcast. You can find more of his work at BrianDunnMusic.net. That's Brian with a Y, Dunn with two N's. If you are enjoying the show, please do leave a review and or a rating on the podcast platform of your choice. We think it helps people find the show and obviously as you can tell we really appreciate it because it's just really nice to know that people are enjoying your work and let's see in between shows you can find us on social media and other podcasts Preeti where are you these days uh, I am on Twitter Tumblr TikTok and Instagram at run with skizzers s-k-i-z-z-e-r-s uh, and I am co-hosting the podcast they see geek girls um you can find what's coming out next. Oh, well, obviously Source Stone Table, which Jen will talk about. But also I have an original Zatanna one-shot coming out with DC Comics in August. Yes! Uh, it is Truth and Justice number seven. If you read comics, if you like Zatanna, if you like DC, ask your local comic book store to stock it. I am very excited about it. Um, it's my first big two kind of DC traditional comic and so, yeah, Truth and Justice number seven. It's very cool. That's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, yes. Yeah, so as Preeti said, uh, I am the co-editor alongside Swapna Krishna, also of Desi Geek Girls, mm -hmm. of Swordstone Table, an anthology of Arthurian retellings, which Preeti has an amazing story <laughs> in. And you can pre-order it. And we have pre-order swag now. Our amazing friend Alice Tam made us this incredible Camelot or bust design. It is a shiny sticker. It is so beautiful. And if you forward your pre-order details, you can pre-order wherever you want. If you forward those details to swordstonetable at gmail.com, we will send you a sticker. International, national, whatever. I will send you a sticker. And if you order from Main Point Books, which is our, well, mine and Swapna's local, you can also get signed and personalized copies, uh, if that's a thing. I don't know if people like editors to sign and personalize yeah. anthologies. Why like, not? is that a thing? But anyway, sure. you can you can do that. <laughs> uh, all of the details are in my social, which, speaking of, you can find me on Twitter and Tumblr as Jen IRL. That's J-E-N-N-I-R-L. And on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. And this episode is not the ending. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the Wheel of Time, but it is an ending. Bye. Bye.